For I've had enough of this world and its pleasures I will arise and go forth to the house of my young I will arise and go forth to the house of my father I will arise and go forth to the house of my young House of my young Shalom, and welcome to today's teaching on the Hebraic roots of Christianity, where we study first century Christianity and the faith that Jesus, whose Hebrew name is Yeshua, which means salvation, taught his disciples. And now, Hebraic roots teacher Eddie Chumney of Hebraic Heritage Ministries International. Shalom. I'm Eddie Chumney of Hebraic Heritage Ministries, and we welcome you to today's teaching on the subject, Sukkot, the season of our joy. This is part two of the series. In celebrating the Feast of Tabernacles or Sukkot, the commandment and reason given in celebrating it from Leviticus chapter 23 verse 34 and then verses 42 through 43 is that you would remember the historical Egyptian redemption. In Leviticus 23:34, it is written, Speak unto the children of Israel, saying, The fifteenth day of this seventh month shall be the Feast of Tabernacles for seven days unto the Lord. Verse 42, You shall dwell in booze seven days. All that are Israelites born shall dwell in booze. Why? That your generations may know that I made the children of Israel to dwell in booze when I brought them out of the land of Egypt. I am the Lord your God. Why is it so important for future generations to know that when he brought them out of Egypt that they dwelt in booze? Why is that so important that your generations are to know this? The reason is because the future redemption from all the nations where the house of Jacob had has been scattered is going to be likened under the historical Egyptian redemption and to understand and identify with the experience it's likened to the experience of dwelling in booth. In 1 Corinthians chapter 10 verses 1 through 4 we're told that all believers in Yeshua should see themselves as if they were redeemed from Egypt and in doing so these words are written. Moreover brethren I would not that you should be ignorant how that all of our fathers were under the cloud when it talks about all of our fathers under the cloud, it's talking about in the divine presence with the tabernacle. Remember that they were all under the cloud. They all passed through the sea. They were all baptized into Moses in the cloud and the sea. They did all eat the same spiritual meat. They did all drink the same spiritual drink. For they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them or the spiritual rock that was with them, the divine presence that was with them in the cloud and the tabernacle. Who is this divine presence? It is Yeshua. That that rock was Messiah. And it goes on to tell us in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 11, Now all the things that happened unto them were in samples, but they are written for our admonition upon whom the ends of the world are come. They are written for instruction for those who are living in the end of days. The historical Egyptian redemption is a parable that teaches us about the end of days. In Psalm 78, verses 1 and 2 and verse 
verse 14, it is written, Give ear, O my people, to my Torah. Incline your ears to the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth in a parable. I will utter dark things of old. Put the thought together. Give ear to my Torah because I'm going to open my mouth in a parable. So when he's speaking and teaching Torah, Torah is spoken and communicated in the form of a parable. What is a parable? A parable is a meaning that is not readily seen at the surface, but the true meaning is underneath what you see at the literal level. So in Psalm 78 verse 14, in telling us that the Torah is a parable, it tells us in the daytime he led them with a cloud and all the night with a light of fire. So in telling us that the Torah is a parable, it tells us about when he was sojourning with his people in the tabernacle and his divine presence was with them. So that is a prophetic foreshadowing of the end of days. We can also see how the future redemption is like the historical Egyptian redemption from Hosea chapter 2 verse 15 which says, And I will give her her vineyards from there in the valley of Achor. Achor in Hebrew means trouble or troubling. The valley of Achor is an allusion to the tribulation period or the Jews refer to the Hevlesha Mashiach, the birth pains of the Messiah. I will give you the valley of Achor for a door of hope and she will sing there. The redemption and the feelings of redemption are always likened unto a song. She will sing there as in the days of her youth, as in the day when she came up out of the land of Egypt. Then in Micah chapter 7 verse 15 it says, According to the days of your coming out of the land of Egypt, will I show unto him marvelous things. I will show him what I did show him. The future redemption is called the song of the Lamb. In Psalm 137 verses 3 and 4 it is written, For there they that carried us away captive required of us a song, and they that wasted us required of us mirth, saying, Sing us one of the songs of Zion. The song of Zion is the song of redemption. The song of Zion is the completion of the task. The song of Zion is the song of joy. The song of Zion is the messianic era. The song of Zion is the end of the exile of Jacob. How shall we sing the Lord's song in a strange land? How could we sing the song of redemption when we're in exile? You can't. In Revelation chapter 15 verse 3 it says, And they sing the song of Moses, the servant of God, and the song of the Lamb. Because the redemption from all the nations where the house of Jacob has been scattered is associated with the redemptive work of the Messiah. That's why it's the song of the Lamb, saying, Great and marvelous are your works, Lord God Almighty. Just and true are your ways, thou King of saints. This is a reference to Exodus chapter 15, verse 11, known as Mika Mocha. Now let's look at the traditional readings in Orthodox Judaism for Sukkot, and specifically the first day of Sukkot. The half Torah, or the reading from the prophet, comes from Zechariah in chapter 14, verses 1 through 21. Why is Zechariah chapter 14 read during the time of Sukkot? Here is the rabbinic commentary that comes from the art scroll Ashkenaz Sidor for Sukkot in commenting about the half Torah reading. It says, Prominent in the half Torah subjects of Sukkot is the war of Gog and Magog, the cataclysmic series of battles that will result in the final redemption in the Messianic era. The battle of Gog and Magog will result in the Messianic era. The half Torah on the first day and that of the Sabbath of Kohamoed deal with this war. Nimikel Yosef to Megillah quotes a tradition from Rabbi Hai Gion that the victory over Gog and Magog 
synagogue will take place in the month of Tishrei, which is the month of Sukkot. Rabbi Hirsch, to Numbers 29 verse 13, discusses the interconnection between Gog and Magog and Sukkot. Following is a free rendition of his thesis. In the name Gog, one recognizes the word in Hebrew, roof, which has the same letters as Gog. And thereby, as one sees the contrast to Sukkah, the weak, unstable covering of foliage. Actually, the whole history of mankind consists of this contrast. Just as people have the power to make themselves safe and secure against their earthly contemporaries by sturdy walls, so they delude themselves into thinking that they can make themselves safe and secure against that which comes from above, against God and His power to direct matters. They think that they can find security in the protection of their own might, take their fate in their own hands, and crown the building up in human greatness with gabbled roofs, rendering them independent of God. The war of Gog and Magog is the battle of a roof, which shares the same letters in Hebrew as Gog, against a sukkah. It's a battle of a roof versus a sukkah. The fight of the roof is an illusion of human greatness which never allows rest against the sukkah's truth of cheerful confidence and serenity which comes in placing one's trust in God's protection. When you live in a sukkah, when you live out in the elements, you are aware that you need to trust in the God of Israel and his provision. But when you trust in your own might, you build your own house, you have your own stable roof, and you say, who needs to trust in the God of Israel? I already have everything that I need. So in doing a Hebrew wordplay on Gog, it's related in Hebrew to the Hebrew word for roof, and doing a wordplay on both of these words, Gog and roof in Hebrew, they're making this comparison of the difference between trusting in yourself versus trusting in the God of Israel. And in looking at Zechariah in chapter 14, verse 3, it says, The Lord will go out and fight against those nations as he fought in the day of battle. What is understood to be the day of battle? It is understood to be the day when the Egyptians were drowned in the Red Sea. He's got to fight like he did in that day. Now, looking at the traditional Orthodox Jewish readings for Sukkot, for Sabbath, Kohamoed, the reading comes from Ezekiel chapter 38, verse 18, through chapter 39, verse 16, in the half Torah portion. And this half Torah portion deals with the war of Gog and Magog. On the first day of Sukkot, from Zechariah chapter 14, it deals with the nations of the world coming against Jerusalem. So there's an association and a link of the nations of the world coming against Jerusalem and the war of Gog and Magog. Both of these events are associated with tabernacles or the festival of Sukkot. The commentary to the reading from Ezekiel 38 and 39 from the art scroll Ashkenaz Sidor of Sukkot reads, As noted in the introduction to the Haftarah on the first day, this Haftarah was chosen because it deals with the war of Gog 
and Magog. The Midrash and Tanhuma both four relate the several plagues of this verse to the punishments that God brought upon the Egyptians. Thus, the sages compare Pharaoh's intentions with Gog, and Gog and Magog will get the similar fate as Pharaoh. And looking at the war of Gog and Magog, at the end of Ezekiel chapter 39, we are told that following this war is the end of the exile of Jacob, the decreed end of the exile of Jacob. In Ezekiel 39, and beginning in verse 21 through 23, it is written, And I will set my glory among the heathen, and all the heathen will see my judgment that I have executed in my hand that I have laid upon them. So the house of Israel will know that I am the Lord their God from that day forward. From this day forward, the house of Israel will know that I am the Lord their God. This is referring to understanding that Yeshua is the Messiah from that day forward. And the heathen will know that the house of Israel went into captivity for their iniquity because they transgressed against me. Therefore hid I my face from them and gave them into the hand of their enemies, so fell they all by the sword. Now Ezekiel 39, verse 25, 27, and verse 29 is written, Therefore, thus says the Lord God, Now, when is now, following the war of Gog and Magog, now will I bring again the captivity of Jacob and have mercy upon the whole house of Israel, and I will be jealous for my holy name. When I have brought them again from the people and gathered them out of their enemies' lands, and am sanctified in them in the sight of many nations. Neither will I hide my face any more from them, for I have poured out my spirit upon the house of Israel, says the Lord God. Notice the regathering of his people is associated with pouring out his spirit. The gathering of his people is associated and they will know that I am the Lord their God from that day forward. It is associated that the nations will know that the God of Israel set his people into captivity and now he is redeeming them because he decrees that at this time, following the war of Gog and Magog, I will bring again the captivity of Jacob. Ezekiel 39 and verse 25. Sukkot, or tabernacles, is associated with the cloud of glory. In Exodus chapter 13, verse 20 and 21, it is written, And they took their journey from Sukkot. And the Lord went before them by day in a pillar of a cloud to lead them in their way, and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light to go by day and night. Exodus chapter 40, verse 34 says, Then a cloud covered the tent of the congregation, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. So the glory of the Lord is the God of Israel going before his people, and this glory of the Lord is in the form of a cloud that is leading his people. In Exodus chapter 16, verse 7 and verse 10, we can see that the glory of the Lord is said to be able to see and to hear. It says, In the morning you shall see see the glory of the Lord for that he hears your murmuring against the Lord and what are we that you murmur against us and it came to pass as Aaron spake unto the whole congregation of the children of Israel that they looked toward the wilderness and behold the glory of the Lord appeared in the cloud so the glory of the Lord sees and hears we're going to see that the glory of the Lord is described as being a consuming fire in Exodus 24 verse 16 and 17 it is written and the glory of the Lord abode and in Hebrew this is the word Shekan which is the Strong's number 7931 where it says abode it's the Hebrew word Shekan which means to settle down abide to dwell to tabernacle or to reside so the glory of the Lord is dwelling it's abiding upon Mount Sinai and the cloud covered it six days and the seventh day he called unto Moses out of the midst of the cloud and the sight of the glory of the Lord 
Lord. The sight of the glory of the Lord was like a devouring fire on the top of the mountain in the eyes of the children of Israel. The tabernacle is the place of the dwelling of the glory of the God of Israel in the wilderness. Exodus 25 verse 8 and verse 9. And let them make me a sanctuary that I may dwell. The word dwell there is the Strong's number 7931. It's the Hebrew word shikan. Make me a sanctuary that I may shikan dwell among them. According to all that I show you after the pattern of the tabernacle and the pattern of all the instruments thereof, even so you shall make it. Yeshua is the glory of the Lord. By looking at Psalm 29 verse 3, Ezekiel 43 verse 2, and Revelation chapter 1 verse 8, and Revelation chapter 1 verse 15, we can make this connection association. Psalm 29 verse 3 says, The voice of the Lord is upon the waters. The glory of God thunders. The Lord is upon many waters. Ezekiel 43 verse 2 says, And behold, the glory of the God of Israel came by way of the east, and his voice, the voice of the glory of the God of Israel, was like the noise of many waters, and the earth shined with his glory. Revelation 1 verse 8. I am Alpha the Omega, the beginning and the ending, says the Lord, which is, which was, and which is to come, the Almighty. This is Yeshua. And in describing Yeshua, Revelation chapter 1 verse 15, it says, His feet was likened to fine brass, as if they burned in a furnace, and his voice as the sound of many waters. The voice of Yeshua is as the sound of many waters. The voice that's the sound of many waters is described as being and associated with the glory of the Lord. Yeshua is the glory of the Lord that was dwelling with his people in the wilderness through the tabernacle. He dwells with his people in John chapter 1 verse 14 at his first coming. He dwells with his people during the Messianic era. He dwells with his people at the time of the new heavens and the new earth. We can also see how Yeshua is the glory of the God of Israel by looking at Hebrews chapter 12, verse 22, 24, 25, and verse 29 as it is written. But you've come into Mount Zion, the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem. See, Mount Zion is the end of the journey, the heavenly Jerusalem. And to Yeshua, the mediator of a new covenant, see that you refuse not him that speaks. So who is him that is speaking? Yeshua. And what is it referring to where he is speaking here? It's referring to Mount Sinai. So Yeshua is the one that spoke to his people at Mount Sinai. For if they escape not who refused him that spake on earth, when did he speak on the earth? At Mount Sinai. Much more shall not we escape if we turn away from him that speaks from heaven. For our God is a consuming fire. In describing Yeshua and speaking from Mount Sinai, it goes on to say our God is a consuming fire. And the consuming fire is a description of the glory of the God of Israel. Yeshua dwelling with his people can be seen in John chapter 1 verse 14 and then John chapter 14 verse 23 it says and the word was made flesh and dwelt tabernacled among us and when he dwells among us what's associated with that the glory of God so when you see the dwelling look we beheld his glory the glory of the only begotten of the father full of grace and truth John chapter 14 verse 23 Yeshua answered and said to him if a man will love me and keep my words that's keeping the Torah the commandments if you will keep my commandments and my father will love him and we will come unto him and make our abode with him. In other words, if you keep his commandments, I'll take you to the promised land. The promised land is where he dwells with his people. The completion of the journey, the inheritance, the reward for loving him and keeping his commandments. In Ezekiel chapter 43, verse 5 and verse 7, we can see where the temple is the place where Yeshua will dwell with his people forever. Ezekiel 43, verse 5. So the Spirit took 
took me up and he brought me into the inner court and behold the glory of the Lord filled the house and he said to me son of man the place of my throne and the place of the soles of my feet where I will dwell in the midst of the children of Israel forever where did Yeshua say he's going to dwell in the midst of his people forever in the temple because it's in the temple where his glory fills the place and then in Zechariah chapter 14 verse 9 it says the Lord will be king over all the earth in that day there will be one Lord and his name one so when he's ruling and reigning over all the earth during the messianic era Zechariah 14 verse 9 he's got to be doing so from Jerusalem from the temple and his glory will be in Jerusalem at the temple now we need to connect the glory the return of the glory with the restoration of the house of Jacob from the nations where they've been scattered which the scriptures call building up Zion in Psalm 102 verse 16 it says when the Lord builds up Zion Zion is the end of the journey so at the end of the journey what do you got to see him dwelling with his people his glory when he builds up Zion he will appear in his glory Psalm 147 verse 2 the Lord builds up Jerusalem so building up Zion is building up Jerusalem so what is building up Zion or building up Jerusalem it goes on to say Psalm 147 verse 2 he gathers together the outcasts of Israel the gathering together the outcasts of Israel the exiles of the house of Jacob is the building up of Zion and when this happens he appears in his glory you ever heard it taught that Yeshua could come at any time no he's only got to come when he builds up Zion because when he builds up Zion then he appears in his glory Jeremiah chapter 30 verse 17 says for I will restore health unto you and I will heal you of your wounds says the Lord because they called you an outcast saying this is Zion which no man seeks after so when he gathers his people the world is going to say about his people that they are an outcast and nobody in the world wants to follow after these people the outcast so we have to be an outcast in the earth and that's when the the God of Israel says oh nobody cares about you I do let me show the world how much I care about you and I love my people I'm going to heal you of your wounds when they call you an outcast going back to the principle in Torah which is stated by Moses Nachmanides in his commentary on the Torah in the introduction to Exodus he states once again that all the events that happened to the forefathers were symbolic occurrences in indicating and foretelling all that was destined to come upon their descendants. So looking at Genesis and seeing how the events that happened historically are future prophecies, we have in Genesis a rift between Joseph and his brothers. That is a prophetic foreshadowing of the division between Northern Kingdom and Southern Kingdom. And the Torah anthology to book one of the twelve prophets in commenting about Amos in chapter 9 on page 459, it says, the story of Joseph and his brothers, Genesis chapter 38 through 50, is not an unfolding of chance of Every detail stemmed from God and served his purpose. For the Almighty unfolded that the deeds of the fathers are assigned for their descendants. The conflicts between Joseph and his brothers were an indication regarding the future splitting of the kingdom of Israel into the kingdom of Judah and the kingdom of Ephraim, son of Joseph. When later Joseph made himself known to his brothers, the reconciliation which ensued, Genesis 45, alludes to a future time. That which historically is recorded alludes 
to a future time when the two kingdoms, northern kingdom and southern kingdom, will reunite into a single nation. Looking at Amos chapter 9 verse 11, it says, In that day I will raise up the tabernacle of David that is fallen and close up its breaches. I will raise it up and I will build it as in the days of old. The commentary to this from the Torah anthology says, Amos speaks prophetically about the messianic redemption. God will raise up the tabernacle of David that is falling. This refers to the calamity of the kingdom splitting in two in the days of Jeroboam, 1 Kings chapter 12 verse 13. Well that's going to conclude part two of the series on the subject Sukkot, the season of our joy. Shalom in Yeshua the Messiah. Amen. Thank you, Eddie. This is Stephen Morgan, and all of us here at Hebraic Heritage Ministries pray that you have enjoyed today's teaching. If you've been blessed, will you help us to share this message with others? Hebraic Heritage Ministries is supported by your generous financial gifts. In order to help you in your studies and to help us share this message with others, we are offering today the DVD, Yeshua the Lawgiver, for free for a love gift of any amount to the ministry. Hebraic Heritage Ministries also offers a monthly discipleship program. If you are interested in starting a fellowship group in your area, let us know. We would like to help you. Please contact us for more details. Our website is hebroots.org. That's H-E-B-R-O-O-T-S dot O-R-G. We would like to hear from you please send us an email. Finally, in order to take advantage of today's free offer, please mention this product offer and please mail your love gift to Hebraic Heritage Ministries, P.O. Box 81, Strasburg, that's S-T-R-A-S-B-U-R-G, Ohio, 44680. Until next time, may Yeshua richly bless you.